What's good? What's good? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm right. Just enjoying my Sunday. Yeah. Weeks weeks coming to an end. New ones beginning. I'm very tired. Same. I'm absolutely bro. I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah. How are you feeling for this? You you excited? I'm gassed. I'm gassed. Oh my (laughs) gassed. Yeah. I actually want to get into it. You want to get into it? Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think, should we just get started? Should we just get it kicking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to talk about 180, what it is, and uh, what we hope to do? Cool. Um, So 180 is a podcast that me and and Amari came up with. Um, Me and Amari are good friends. Have lovely conversations. Um, <laughs> about venting, usually it's about um, about current affairs, and I think there's a lot of gems in it. So he reached out, said, "Yo, this is a conversation that we would like. We like we'd love for everyone else to get involved in, and that's where it started off, man." <laughs> yeah, I think. One thing that I, I think we both decided was pretty important that we wanted to just like reiterate is just that 180 is more about bringing everyone in in our conversations, not us telling you like what's right and what's wrong. It's just letting you into like some of the co- conversations which we think like can be quite interesting. But obviously, if you don't think it's interesting, let us know. Um, but yeah, it's we're not trying to tell you anything. We're just trying to talk about things and explore ideas with you together. 100%. So I think this, yeah, this first um, episode, we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. We're going to cover quite a lot of topics. Um, and please, please, please uh, comment below any questions, any insights, because we love hearing from you guys and we love talking about it. So that being said, let's go. Let's get it. So everyone has heard about the Black Lives Matter movement um, and how it's recently come alive again because of the George Floyd um, incident. Wow, incident. The George Floyd murder. Um, Mm. And, yeah, it's been everywhere. Um, It's been dying out um, recently. But, like, I just remember when it was currently happening and then going on my newsfeed every day and just seeing another murder or just seeing another, um, like pulse us a pulse about activism and mm. yeah like how did it make you feel so for me it was obviously very overwhelming i think it was the first time in my life where i actually felt quite like overwhelmed by the like the news in but but more specifically like police brutality because growing up on social media and you see that stuff all the time and you become quite numb to it but when you're inundated with all this like media and um, all the videos and all the, the tweets and everything talking about this one incident, it can be quite draining on your mental health. And I thought I was someone who's quite robust, quite resilient to these kind of things. Like it wouldn't really phase me, but I think I remember, I think it was like late on in um, Trinity term, just final term at uni. I was just, I couldn't do my work anymore. I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. 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 Exactly the same. I I remember when I used to be bare numb to it. I mean, I made the explicit decision, yeah, to like delete street blogs, delete all those reckless um, um, places where they show explicit stuff. Uh, mm. And then when every day 
it comes up in your newsfeed, yeah. Like it hit it hit me a bit more. Um and for me I just love procrastinating on YouTube and Instagram and everything, yeah, and Twitter. And then every day you're going on it and it's the same thing, bro, same thing. Um and it's very disheartening. It's very disheartening. Um but like I guess some good's come out of it, innit? Yeah, I was about to say like there's an upside to it, like to all the social media presence. Like a lot I think over fourteen million pounds was donated to George Floyd on um GoFundMe from mm-hmm. over hundred and forty countries. Mm-hmm. So like there were loads of people involved, those people wanted to help. You saw a lot of sharing, which we can talk about more if you want to, and how effective it actually is. Yeah. Um and a lot of like other donations to smaller groups who and, and pockets of people that needed help. So I thought like as like there is a downside, but there is a clear upside to everything that was going on. Yeah, I feel like it definitely, definitely brought up the conversation again. Um, and and the sad thing is, it shouldn't be a conversation that has to be brought up again. Um, first of all, it's a constant incident. I don't like the fact that oh, it's now interesting. Now you got like news reporters trying to ask you questions about it, or like uh, people coming to Oxford um, and they'll be like. Oh, yeah, what's the black experience of Oxford now? Like, why do you want to know now specifically? Our our lives aren't a trend. Um, mm. That's the first thing. But it's still like it's, I'm in two ways about it because it's like still we need a conversation. Like, regardless of the fact that it should have been happening all the time, it hasn't, and the fact that it has now <coughs> means that we need to actually take the opportunity. Um, and like seeing my friends and that post it every day. Um, I, I liked it. Um, but again, yeah, I want to talk about this year. The fact that the conversation is so basic, bro. I don't know if you mm. know, but it's still like racism 101. And it's just like mm. stuff that I feel like we should have got over a long time ago. It's basic, but it's it's, it's needed, I think. Um, just the fact that three, four years ago, the statement Black Lives Matter was controversial. And only now we've gotten to the point, only now in 2020, we've gotten to a point where just saying that is no longer controversial to some to, to the majority of people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think when you see these posts about racism one-on-one, like it is definitely, to us, it seems simple, but it's something that's like needed for a lot of people. We grew up in relatively multicultural areas like London, blah, blah, blah. But step outside of London, take 20 minute train, go to the countryside or something like that. It's not diverse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But it's also two sides as well, though. Like, in the sense of, yes, it's n- like, obviously, like, we know it. And if you go outside, then people need to know about it. But I guess you know, our sharing aren't really interacting with the, uh, those that need to see it. It's an echo chain, but i.e., I'm going on my Instagram saying, teaching me racism and that, or like, what is racism? Mm. I don't need to know it. Um, and I hope a lot of people on my Instagram doesn't need to know it. <laughs> yeah man yeah it's frustrating but it also like another thing that I brought up which we like I think we should talk about as well is this like statues right the whole the idea that some people were arguing against should like should they be pulled down or should they not be pulled down mm. yeah for me I, what, what do you think about that well it happened exactly the same way like Black Lives Matter happened. Black Lives Matter happened in 2016, 2015, if I remember correctly. And that's when the initial like statue conversation occurred. And 
it's interesting to see like not only one aspect of like the importance of um of lives and the decolonizing of things are brought up again because mm. like obviously like people will say you're pulling them down you're eroding our history what do you think do you think that's true it's it's a funny question on a couple things in it. Like first of all, yeah, bro, I don't understand why people are like so passionate about their history. First of all, if we assume it to be the history in it, like, like the very fact that you consider your history to be more important than the lives or the mental health of um, people is very problematic. And as Iram said, mm. the very history argument is is dumb as all like it comes from this idea that this was your history in the sense of actually it's two ways um first is that i don't know i don't know what do you think okay so i, I think so the history argument is weak like, because it's not as though this a statue is um uh like a medium for education right you put a statue up there to celebrate somebody mm-hmm. when you I've learned more, and I said this yesterday, I've learned more from people saying we need to tear them down than people, like, from them being up there and the, taking up that space. Like, the Edward Coulson statue in Bristol, right? No idea who that guy was at all. No idea. <laughs> he knows who my man is, bro. <laughs> but when people started, like, complaining and saying this guy needs to go, I started researching, I started learning about who the hell this guy is, and I found out all of these horrible things all of, all like he used to be part of something called the Royal African Company. They used to human traffic people from Africa to um, America, and that's how he made his wealth from slavery, right? Yeah. So why would you put that person up, and why would you celebrate them, right? So exactly like Iram says, they're so much more useful in museums. Mm-hmm. Um, Another think- argument for it is um, Edward Coulson rolled the old man of their times. What do you think about that? Mm. And we shouldn't judge them on the um, on the for today. I think that is. I tell you why this is rubbish, right? I was going to swear. I think it's rubbish because um, in those times, are you telling me that people in Africa were like, "Yes, take me away in chains and take me to America so I can work on your fields"? Of course, they were not like that. Yeah. yeah. So the only person who thought it was okay in those times were the white people who were taking part in those activities. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Other people subject su- um, subject to the slavery. So the, the whole idea of like, it was okay back then is not true because it was never okay back then. Yeah. And and like you, you mentioned white people as well, yeah. It, it's funny because even, it assumes that all white people, like even if we take our black people out of thing, yeah, and we were just like, say no more, man. Mm. It assumes that white people also agreed with the, um, with what roles stand on other people done and mm. first of all if I was white I'd, I'd be angry at the moment innit? I'd be like you're trying to violate me um, and also secondly he wasn't in the sense of those there was a massive criticism even a hundred years ago of the roads being in um, in Oxford it was meant mm. parliament a hundred years ago um, and uh, and even like it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all so I feel like it's it's very baseless the arguments that they bring forth. Mm. 
even even Iram says like back then there was like as you said there was criticism from the British people yeah. um, for the actions. Um, Kalina Ox, what do you think about the broad leadership of the um, BLM movement? And do you think it'd be better to have fewer uh, like leaders? Um, I think I can't lie. But then you agree or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know if she had a side to it, but um, I feel like have you seen the current like the the madness that's happened with the UK Black Lives Matter movement? Nah. What, what, um, what first of all, funding is a bit mad, and then second of all. Um, no one knows who they are and there's all this controversy about who who are they like are they black or are they politically black you'll see um and i feel like first of all it's a problem to have um leaders but it's also a problem not to have a leader i.e no one knows no one could you can't name me a single like black lives matter movement leader and i don't know if you can see it mm. it's i think like sorry what no I think it's, it's quite an interesting question, especially because, like, in my degree, I study management, right? So part of that aspect is studying, like, operations and how they should be managed and what kind of hierarchical structure they should take. And for me personally, I think that it needs to have a leader just to, like, have, like, a focal point for all the ideas. Yeah. Like, if you look, like, I know these are very cliche examples, but if you look at um, uh, Martin Luther King and, um, what's his name? How I forgot his name, Malcolm X, right? These brothers are, the, like, individuals who like led a movement of course they were there people around them but they were the face of the movement right so i think it, it helps a lot when you have people at the head to spearhead ideas to bring people together to see a face like it's more human if you see an individual rather than blm yeah and it's more likely to invoke some sort of support i think and, and i'm not i totally understand because if you look at if you look at every institution yeah Every party, if you look at like from companies to schools, yeah, every single one has an organizer and a leader. Um, and then for you to suddenly say, yeah, we want to take over institutional racism, but we're not going to have a leader is a bit, um, it's definitely difficult, but I totally understand why they do it. Uh, I mentioned to uh, one of my friends, like, it's very interesting if you study the Black Panther Party and then realise how they dealt with it. They initially had leaders. Um, mm. At the end, they took away all titles from every single um, individual that was in there. Um, but it's annoying because we all know that the Black Panther Party was non-existent like, afterwards. So, I don't know. It's hard. If you don't mind moving on, I, I want to talk about something that like was quite personal to you and I'm talking about like your experience with the police which happened a couple of weeks ago. Um I just like if you could like explain what happened, how you felt, um yeah. Um so I was in Oxford Trinity term, um it was the sixteenth of June. So walking, <laughs> I was walking back. It was approximately two p two in the morning. Um, I came back from Michael's house, um, and this lady, heat, isn't it? come on, had nice heaters. <laughs> I appreciate it, Michael's podcast. Um, and walking back, it was like a ten minute journey back. Um, so I didn't think nothing of it. Never seen police sirens or anything in Oxford, and I'm walking. 
And then I see a car bust a left and I bust a left, yeah? And I'm walking and it's and it's driving very slowly and I'm shit. I can't lie to you, man. I'm kind of shit. Um, mm. The driver pulls up close to me, tinted windows, pulls it down, looks at me, and then keeps on driving. I just said, Alhamdulillah. That is at 100 meters down the road, yeah? He busts yeah, that night as well. So it's, it's, it's he, scary, isn't it? He, yeah. And then he busts a U turn. And I was just shit. I was like, okay, this guy's going to come come to me, bring out my phone. Um, he was like, yep, I'm a police officer. This is the stuff on the car. Don't need to stop in account just to see what you're up to. Like, there's nothing in like, nothing to it, like. That's interesting. Because it's two o'clock in the morning on a school night. Just wondering what you're doing. Just walking. Just walking. You going anywhere in particular? I'm going back home. Oh, okay. Cool. Do you live down there, do you? Yeah. Nice street. Isn't it? Yeah. What do you do for a living? The first thing that annoyed me was like, on a school night. Bro, why do you care if it's on a school night? Um, mm. and he asked me like, oh, what do you live down here? Nice streets. What do you do? Um, and that frustrated me so much. And I, can't, I was very surprised that, first of all, he was willing to say that on camera. Um, yeah, it's the way he asked it. He was like, it's a nice area, isn't it? Like, yeah. almost as if you don't belong here. Yeah. No, that's definitely what he meant, though, isn't it? Exactly. And, like, I smiled at him because you can't see my face, but I smiled at him because I was just like, like, are you are you actually serious in it? Because usually, when you think about um, the whole thing about policing the police with cameras, is the idea that they are, it's a deterrent and that they're not willing to go as mad as they do usually because they've not, you've got no evidence. And now to know that mm. you're still able to... See so brazen. That, um, and I knew what he meant. He knew what I meant. And then when he asked me, oh, what do you do? I was just like, oh, here we go. Do you want my bank? Mm. Is that what you're asking for? Um, the way this guy didn't even know there was a college. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I would think that he knew where, where he is. So it'd be normal to have uni students walking around two in the morning. Um... I think it would be normal to have white uni students walking around two a.m. in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Man. It was clear. It was. It was obviously a race thing. Yeah. Like there's countless amount of times when, like, the white population of Oxford walks back home late at night. Right. Yeah. I don't think any of them has have been stopped by the police and asked like, "What are you doing here? These streets are too nice for you." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even even the fact that he asked me, "Oh yeah." Do you want to have a? Why don't you want to have a conversation with a police officer at two in the morning? Pardon? I don't understand why. Why what? Why would you not want a conversation with a police officer at two o'clock in the morning? Uh, it was really interesting because if you use that same thing, like I don't think a white person would have any problem with having a conversation at two in the morning with a police officer. Like when they probably see him, they probably see him as safety. Like rah, like he just wants to check if I'm alright. Um, but again, like as I said in my statement, I just know how quickly these two things can escalate. Um, mm. But I guess that's why I was so polite because I just wanted to go home, man. <laughs> I just mm. go home. Um, Do you have anything else to ask me while my food to go? Yeah, you were never detained in the first place. But yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh. Have a, have a good night. And then secondly, in terms of reactions and things after the whole incident um, ended. I called up Michael. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but like I called him, called up Michael. I was just like, bro, I just got stopped by the police. He just laughed. He goes, ah, oh, 
Oh well. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then like I went I went to college, you know, and I called up another friend of mine. Um and then she was livid. She was livid. And then I was like, yeah, I should be livid actually. I should be livid. Um and after thinking about it and after reflecting, I just grew angrier and angrier. Um I know rehab's in this, but like she messaged me and then she goes, it must be playing in your mind constantly. And it wasn't playing on my mind. Um, just watching the video again and again and then just thinking like, was there something i done wrong? Should I go mad? What should I do? Um, yeah. And I think it's con- like, it brings up a conversation about policing. Um, and like, what's your like, have you been stopped by the police before? In terms of my interaction with the police, um, or I haven't been, I've been in, <laughs> I have been, I have been stopped. I have been stopped. But I've been, huh? Serious? I no, but I've been, I've been like, <laughs> but I've been like around and things have happened. Yeah. But I cannot actually, I can say that, I don't think I've had any issues, but that's because of the school I went to in um, West London. Was in It wasn't an amazing area, but it was in an okay enough area that didn't have to worry too much about the police. Yes. And back in my home area, because my where I lived was terrible, my mum didn't let me out of the house. So there's no, like, I didn't get to see the police at all. Mm. Like, they didn't see me. I didn't see them. I was in my room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's really- I, because even after I emailed a person and then I asked him like one of the defences he said was um, the area he was in was in a nice area and you just said that because I was in that area police don't stop you Um, Mm. interesting to see like how arbitrary their stops and searches are maybe even there's an element of colorism right in that because I'm I'm like I'm like skin to you and so like I inevitably unfortunately have some sort of like privilege in the way that they view me to compare to the way they view you yeah 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 so maybe there's something there and um uh, what else I'm like I think that um what made me more angry was this idea I've always had a problem with respectability politics and like you dress a certain way then or if you do something good with your life the police won't um annoy you or whatever harass you and then just to know that like the the mad destructive position between like what uni I go compared to like what he thought I was doing um which was burglary in the email um mm. it's just so mad like and it's he said burglary that yeah he was like oh it was a nice With what what bag were you were you carrying a bag I wasn't carrying nothing bro <laughs> 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 I don't carry nothing. Um, and then this the idea that um you could be going to an amazing uni, but oh, you could be doing nothing with your life, yeah, and it doesn't matter. And mm. saying that it should matter, like someone that's from ends and hasn't left ends shouldn't uh, be stopped by the police because certainly no one should be stopped by the police on the matting. But it just shows you that the problem isn't anything other than uh, my skin colour. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, Hassan mentioned it yesterday. I haven't read it, but he talked about this book called The Good Immigrant. I don't know if you yeah. you, you heard of it. I've heard of it. I've heard. Uh, like, um, so for me, it's like 
this whole idea of like you've got to do go to school, higher education, get a good job, blah blah, blah and then you'll be respected by the oppressors. Yeah, and it's like I'm not saying that's the right path, but even you, who's a smart person, and you're in Oxford and you're studying law, you're doing you're doing bits right, but you're still being treated not that not that you should be treated this way, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter as you said before what you do you're still being treated the same way yeah. as you would be if you were in Tottenham walking down the street. Um, so and like so, Hema Manzor um, has an amazing poem about the fact that we can't black excellence our way exactly, and it's so sad you can't. It's something you can't escape. You can't escape it. Um, so, Hema Manzor has a poem about Islamophobia and the fact that you should love Muslims if they are nitty or if they're homeless or if they're drug addicts or um, if they're in and out of prison or if they're lawyers and doctors. And, and I think exactly the same thing hap- it, um, sh- um, can be related to the experience of black people. Mm. Nothing, nothing should matter regardless. I should be treated as a human regardless of if I have done something good or haven't got, done something good in my life. Um it's such a fundamental thing, though, isn't it? To love someone, your, your neighbour, isn't it? Love everyone, treat everyone the same respect. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of skin colour, race, ethnicity, religion, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's such a fundamental thing. Uh, um, moving the conversation slightly, what this has brought up a conversation about, especially on Twitter, is defunding and the police. <laughs> and what do you think about this? Because I'm still not this, I, I don't know. I don't know. About defunding the police? Uh, okay, so the way I see it, so there's two things I want to talk about. The second one, actually, let me talk about the second one first because I'm going to forget it otherwise. I saw a video on Twitter and it was quite recent and it's a black guy addressing an audience talking about the importance of defunding the police, right? Pardon? Did he have a face mask on? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's talking about how wages to the police so you've got the inner city inner city area which is like predominantly like um ethnic minority predominantly predominantly black right because we're talking about america um inner city um socioeconomically deprived and then in so you've got the inner city and then uh, the suburbs surrounding it like a donut right that's like the standard city design so you've got the inner city people are policed by the white police officers who live in the suburbs right so you're paying them wages, you're paying them salary, um, resources, whatever. So they go in from the suburbs into inner city to police the black people, and then they take the money and everything they earn out back into the suburbs because they don't spend it in inner city shops. They spend it on the local businesses where they live, right? So there's a whole issue of like economics in terms of nothing's going towards them apart from they're being they're not even being policed by people who live in their area, right? It's basically a prison if you think about it that way. Yep. So there's no uh, there's no ability to relate with one another. They're not seeing any of the benefits of policing. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, after getting shot at or whatever, mm-hmm. the Fed just goes home back to their own area. So I think there's an interesting like conversation to be had there about yep. like the re- the dispersion of resources and whatnot. But and also, doesn't make sense. You're right in the sense of um, if you want if you believe that poverty is uh, um, the common denominator with crime. Um, clearly mm. investing in your own community especially through having p- p- allowing um, people within the community to have work so that they can actually fund their communities I think that that would be beneficial I'm just very cautious about the idea that 
it will solve politically. It's a financial argument and it's a respectable financial argument, but I don't know if it... What, defunding? Yeah. Um, the, the specific argument the person made, i.e. defunding oh, okay. the police, um, the people that are policing us aren't from our community. But the issue is, I don't think that having more black or brown people or people from your community policing you might be the issue. What do you think about it? It might be. It might be. What do you think? I, I think I think it will I think it is because it's like the way I would see it as the and one analogy is right when you're in school and you're being taught you 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 know when you see that one black teacher do you know what I mean and then you're like chill and and it's more you're more likely to be able to relate with them you'll listen to them um, just because you have that report with them because you share the same skin color whatever and for me the black um, teacher was a bit more harsh on me because I thought it was all so yeah. What, what, for me it's like whenever I see I don't know if you get this but whenever I see a black person if I'm on holiday if I'm in the workplace whatever it's like it's like it's like a, a bond do you know what I'm saying I don't know maybe it's just me but like there's something there already and I didn't, we don't even have to try um, um, so I feel like go on when you see people that you can relate to in, in those positions you see them less of an enemy and that's not to say that every single black person is like gonna be a good cop and it's gonna look after their community and other everyone blah blah. But I'm just th- I just think the probability will be higher that they'll look after each other. Um, yeah, Asin Qureshi, yeah, he runs an organization called Cage. Amazing guy. He said something really interesting. He said, in terms of like like having more representation of police officers, he said, mm. I don't want like I don't want more black and brown police officers I want police officers to be less racist and mm. it's really interesting to say to to almost equate being less racist with having more black and brown people because you're just kicking out white people no I want those white people that I was in those positions to be bloody less racist um, mm. what do you think about that? no I 100% agree 100% agree but how do we get to that point because I feel like not always, but a lot of the time, racism comes from ignorance, and you're not going to learn without. It's not our job. You're not going to learn without interacting with other people who are not who don't look like you. And if you don't have those people in the in the workplace, you're not going to interact with them unless the only the only time you see them is when they're on the news and they're on the news, like for in crimes and whatever, blah blah blah, because of like other like dimensions to us, like social issues and economic issues. Mm. But, but I, I just I just want to jump back to the defund topic. I think defund and reallocate is something that's really important. Also, in a, in America, there's a thing that like you'll have police responding to issues which they should be like social workers responding or mental health um, like doctors work um, responding to it rather than the police. If you spend more on um, like um, a community um, like the local council. So youth, youth workers, um, just more opportunities for young people and older people, whether it's mental health, whether it's um, like jobs, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be less of a need for a police. Maybe it's a simplistic way of thinking, but I think a lot of the reasons like people go into crime is because they need like economic opportunity, right? Like nobody wants to sell drugs just for fun. They want to do it because they need money. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if there, are, if there are economic opportunities which pay um, enough... And are more viable, people are going to take that 100%. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. So, your one is police is never a solution. 
well, we instead of like police, we need preventative measures. I.e., we, yeah. I yeah, it's like um, education or more resources to that. What do you mean? Like, I'm kind of confused like, with it because um, I feel like it's a separate separate argument. I don't know. I feel like defunding in itself, like, is an is a critique of the way the police are moving, and the idea mm-hmm. of the more resources is a governmental approach to how we could better our community. But they are interlinked. So, are you, so you think that defunding is like a punishment for like what they're doing? Is that what no. you're trying to say? Defunding is is saying that we see no positive aspects of the police, so we want to defund you guys. Is that what you mean? Like, this, I I just no. I think defunding is just literally this. They have they get too much. They're having too much m- money because they have too much power, right? So so okay. Let's think like, about reducing that. It's 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 spreading their power to to other parts of society essentially because this, and i have tweeted about this year the default like just the argument about police having too much power is really interesting because like literally a year ago we were saying that twenty thousand police officers got caught by got cut by austerity austerity has meant mm-hmm. that the police are less funded um so really and truly are we saying that those arguments are non avoid on the police, or or are we are we saying the Tory government has do has been doing our job for us? Like yeah, 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 on our on our side. So, so defunding the police and removing, like removing um, police officers like from the beat, which is them um, patrolling, are separate but very similar issues, right? It's about the allocation of funds. If you're funding the police and your that money is going towards wages instead of training more police officers instead of altering the training system so it's more holistic and it factors in things like race and institutional racism then cool fund them give them the money so they can improve the, their workforce but if it's going towards bigger buildings more police cars guns whatever then that's a waste of money that money needs to go towards social issues like mental health so that the, the right people that are trained can respond to the right issues okay. and that's that's just my opinion i think okay. i think that's what i'm tra- i don't know if that's clear yeah i agree um kalina said something in the in between i guess police are even being called for mental health issues they're called for so many things they aren't trained for is the solution to that training them to be more sensitive about issues other than that now Nah, the, the, the solution is giving the money to the mental health experts to res- to respond to those issues okay um, well, like a, poli- a police, a police officer knows to how to arrest someone, how to de- like defuse a situation. They don't know how to defuse the situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's a there's a shooting outside my house today. Yeah, the police officer came up to me because, oh yeah, today, know, right now, like an hour ago. <laughs> And the, and the officer was like, "Oh yeah, what you in the hood?" And I'm like, "No, I don't know what happened." <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it doesn't. Back on the topic, that was a little diversion, but um, if we look at what the Black Panther Party did, yeah, their initial thing was about policing their own communities. Um, mm. And the way they did that, it was they, they grabbing the arms and then they were literally patrolling with the police officers, the, um, seeing where the police officers go, seeing how incidents are 
done, how the arrests mm-hmm. were made, uh, to see if there was intimidation tactics um, being used, and just providing the rights for the citizen that was getting arrested. Um, and they'd literally be out behind the person uh, near the incident and saying, these are your rights, highlighting them the rights. Whenever the person mm-hmm. did get arrested, they'd go to the police, um, they'd go to jail and they'll they'll actually get a fund, um, they'll actually do the bill. Um, and I guess what we're trying to say is having things like that in our community, i.e. when it comes to policing ourselves, perhaps not the police because police are finished. I feel like you can't really back them and then put in more black or brown people will just give us police officers or Sergeant Javid and them man there. Um, <laughs> and things that, because I feel like really and truly we need to have something we need to grab Mandem and be like, "Hey, we'll each put like this. This whole aunt, every auntie here on this road will give you ten pound, yeah, um, each, and then that'll make that'll be your salary. You're getting paid. It's coming in the ends. You're not doing the roads, um, but just make sure that if you see your auntie that needs to walk around, across the road and she's she's got bare shopping, you do the shopping for her, and then that way you could do things that the um, that we need services that we need that the police aren't trained for." But also highlighting mm. when you see something happening, you sort that out as well. I think I think that's a good idea. I think for me, that's like I, I mentioned this yesterday on the Team Upside podcast. Like the whole change the institution from the inside versus create your own institution. Like I'm someone who thinks that you, you cannot change an institution from the inside. Like something like Oxford or something like the police force, blah blah. blah. You just it's so like ingrained in its its ways. It's so stubborn. It does not want to change. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, you have to create your own organization to um, incite that change. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's easier said than done, but like, I feel like you've seen countless people trying to change it from. Oh yeah, it's easier said than done. Yeah, I'm just saying it's easier said than done. Um, Sean said, "These the thing is that twenty thousand police uh, were cut, but the funds were moved to beneficial things like youth workers." Well, weren't well. moved. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh one, oh one, yeah, yeah. Of course, you're right. Um, we have said. Do you think that there's any solution in diversifying the police force, or is it purely a resource question? That that that's what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think we concluded that. What What did you conclude from that? Then, if you could just like summarize quick, resource um, or diversify. I'm still about. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I guess know. It's, okay. it's okay not to know. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be either or. I feel like defunding the police will be beneficial argument if if the diversifying doesn't work. And if you can't... I don't know, but we've already decided the police Both. are finished, man. Yeah. Both. Why am I doing that? This dichotomy doesn't have to be that way. Both. Yeah. True. Both and all. Yeah. Um, should we do? Should we do like a, a book recommendation? <laughs> Did we say no to that? No, we're doing a book recommendation. You're doing I've one. Got one. I've got one, sure. and I think Suleiman can vouch for this: "The Virtue of Disobedience" by Asim Khroishi. Um, I'm gonna have to write that one down. I don't yeah, know that one. Definitely. So, what's it? Have you read it? Um, so I've read it. Um, and it's by can you give us a quick Khroishi. summary? So the summary is um, the author Asim Qureshi went to a mosque and a mosque was the, the it was a Jum'an prayer and uh, the sheikh was talking about um, 
give me a second. The, the, he's talking about obedience and obedience to the government um, and the fact that you shouldn't protest and things along those lines because you need to be um, obedient to the government, yeah? Um, and this was at a time where the, it was uh, 2016 where the Black Lives Matter movement was up again. Um, and mm. he used an example of like, even if they're um, uh, arresting you or killing you, as in the police, you shouldn't... Um, you should be obedient to them and he was trying to use um, Islamic scriptures to like support that and Asim Quraysh went home and he was just bare angry because he was like like if we see injustice what you're trying to say is that we should be obedient and um, the whole book is about him going through the scriptures as going through the Quran um, and then using that to argue why disobedience is necessary in times mm. of oppression and he links um, he links the Quran and um, the to black political thought. He links it to Franz Fanon, uh, the Black Panther Party, um, and then he literally. I've never seen someone like do that in a book, and it's amazing, amazing. Um, and that does sound really interesting. Like amazing. Um, definitely. Can, can you write it? Write it in the comment and then pin it so the other people can write it down. I think it's called the. You said it's. The virtue of disobedience that sounds really good it sounds so like poetical eh? it sounds so like it can, it, like i'm not a religious person but to have the entire religion in to yeah. like help you think about things i think that's so cool and um, one really interesting thing that he talks about is um the um uh, Fir'aun the pharaoh um mm-hmm. when he was doing like, all his oppressive stuff yeah he had a um he had a um, like an advisor that told him, like, like relax or, and things along the lines. I forgot the exact words. And it's really interesting because for you to be an advisor for the pharaoh, one of the most oppressive people in the world, I mean in history, um, you have to be very in his good books and you have to be complicit in a lot of these oppression. And mm. it's really interesting to see that. And it, I guess it links to our conversation about. Being in positions of power and trying to like do things in positions of power, and quite clearly, someone that was in a position of power, we could very assume that he did things that were terrible in terms of advising the pharaoh. But at that one specific point, he said um, he he was, was against the oppression of a, a prophet, and it's quite interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you have any recommendations? Any book recommendations? Um, hmm, should we keep it in the theme? So I'm very slow. No, I cannot say that. Oh, here's a book. I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm actually excited to read it. Let me get it. It's cool. Just to say something about um, um, what Suleiman said is he argues three sites of resistance, language, knowledge, and community. And that's something I forgot. Like, And it's how all of those interlink to so that you could be disobedient um, against mm-hmm. oppression and... Yeah, sick. So the book I'm looking, I'm going to recommend is called Girl, Woman, Other. Um, by who? It looks it, it's by, oh, that's a good point. It's by, um, oh, why don't I know this? Bernadine Evas, Ev- Evaristo. Maybe <laughs> I've butchered her surname. I probably have. I apologize. Maybe even her first name too. I'm, I think I'm dyslexic, so I'm not the best reader. Um, I think it's, it says what it's basically it's about I think it's a feminist thought about like um, especially black issues I think there's a word for that 
I'm not too sure. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. But I think it's like a book which like explores the intersectionality between being black, being uh, a woman, and possibly some other stuff. But I'm excited to read it, so I can't tell you what it's about. <laughs> but pick it up and read it. Cool. Misogynoir, that's what it's called. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Misogynoir? No. I feel like we've got, we got two questions. Um, yes. Taj said, what do you think about the, how the police handles racial hate crimes? Ooh. I don't really know. I don't know how. I don't know either. I, I, I haven't had any personal experience with reporting anything. I've obviously been abused, but not reporting it. Um, maybe, can you elaborate on that? Like, what, if you were anything you wanted to explain, well, not well, you, but um, that's about it. Um, yeah, I, that was a mad one. Um, and, which was disgusting. And Josh, yeah, as a historian said, do you think that policing itself is an outdated social system institution and it's not fit for the 21st century societies without multiculturalism and class structures? Um, I've heard that it's really interesting. Um, it's the idea that we're trying to force a 18th century, 19th century idea into the 21st century and it just can't work. Um, what do you think? Um, I think... I think it's interesting when you look at what the police is like, their fundamental role is, right? Um, some people think, and I probably lean towards this side, that the police is there to enforce the will of the state. And from, I think, as soon as that changes, like that fundamental like goal changes to from f- um, enforcing the will of the state to protecting the will of the people or the safety of the people, then you'll see some sort of improvement of the police force. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Because new laws... I just think it's... I think it's you're a lawyer as well. <laughs> I just think um, it's too easy to simplify into that. Just because it was in the 18th century, 19th century that it was made, doesn't mean it's... It might not be fit for 21st century, but like, there's a lot of things that was made in pre 21st century that still are needed in the 21st century um mm. we have to li- i feel like what he's alluding to is the police was something very um well, i'm trying to remember my gcse policing thing i did <laughs> but um, GCC policing i don't gcc uh, well history and it, one of the modules was oh, policing okay. But it was very decentralized then. I don't think it's decentralized now, which is, I think, might be the problem. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I have no idea. I think that's a good point. Decentralized the police force. Yeah. Because, like, I think people like Okala and a few others, like, argue for this, like, almost utopian lifestyle where it's run by little communities and the state is decentralized. I think you see that kind of stuff in Scandinavia. Yeah. There's a whole issue. Like people always refer to Scandinavia as like the whole the ideal model. There's a whole look, like host of reasons why things work there and they don't work here. One of them actually relates to relate race, which I think is actually interesting to bring up. Um, so like they get taxed a lot more, right? And taxes obviously get take the government taking your money to give it to other people, like the redistribution of wealth. And some people argue that the reason why higher taxes work there is because the demographic is more homogenized. 
So when the money is leaving your pocket and going to other people's pocket, they don't mind because they know or they can or they think they know who the money is going to, right? So they take it. So as obviously it's predominantly white in Scandinavia, so they're more comfortable giving their money to, to the government because they think it's going to other white people. Whether um, uh, like that's subconscious, which obviously it probably is, um, that sort of thing wouldn't necessarily work in more diverse countries like the UK because yeah. people will be like, "I'm not giving you my tax. Who is that going to? It's going to welfare. It's going to." Um, lazy immigrants or people who don't deserve my money. Mm. So I think that's just something interesting to think about. That's there. really interesting. That I've never thought of that. That's actually really interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of less um, countries that aren't homogenized that have high taxes, but nothing comes to mind. We've, we've got a few minutes. Um, I wanted to what? talk about what we can oh. do. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, what I did specifically, what I thought I could do after my incident was just do what I can. And I wasn't out here like trying to burn down the system or burn down the police <laughs> department because I feel like a lot of that is things that aren't um, realistic um, or you can't do, which provides tangible benefits to people. Um, mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing was fundraising um, and that's gone amazing. I'm so happy. I've been in regular contact with a charity and like, ah, I go there like every day, man. I love them so much. Um, and like, that's what I felt like I could do, help my community specifically. Um, what, what do you feel what's like? What's the name of the charity? Um, what's Harry the name Gay? of the charity and uh, Gay, what do they do? Harrogate Play Association is literally mm-hmm. providing access to play for kids um, between the ages of 6 and 15. And, uh, um, and it's free of access at the point of entry. Um, yeah, um, went there since I was like six years old. They give free food. They help you. They help you provide apprenticeships. They um, they take you on trips. Like they do everything, um, anything you need. They'll help you with it if they can. And something really interesting which I found out is that they've got a whole policy of never kicking kids out of the playground. Um, really? So you could do the maddest thing. Um, but they will never kick you out because kicking someone out of the playground is telling them or turning your back against them. It's telling them that, sorry, mm-hmm. um, we no longer feel like we can help you. And they will definitely like, um, like, Let's make, make you leave. Cool. Of, <laughs> like, in a good, in a good way, in a yeah, good way. <laughs> they definitely make you leave if you're, if you're problematic for a day, but they will never ban you. And I just found that really good. I think that's amazing. It reminds me of the whole, like, school to prison pipeline and saying like it's a way of just nope that's not going to happen you're going to stay here and we're going to help you as much as we can yeah 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 um so yeah i think things like that are really important because like if i had to boil down three things which are like like people who are not just like like race like not not in terms of race but also like economics as well like people who are disadvantaged like they don't have access to like for me three things would be like people resources and opportunities and i feel like that's the type of charity that kind of hits all three mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean and, and that, that can like help people so much in, yeah. in the in the long run yeah yeah and you, even in the moment i spoke to them like and they found out because they didn't know anything about it until i actually went there and they were just over the moon like and it's clearly you can see how important it was to them when you speak to them so 100 percent um on an institutional level, how can we change it? So for me, I think, especially with the coronavirus and everything going on, like from an economics 
economist like or economics perspective um so there's been a lot of talk of how we can restart the economy um so a lot of people talk about um the green revolution which is about the government investing in like renewables and energy efficient um stuff and i think it's a great opportunity for so like i don't want to say black revolution but basically black revolution so um money which like can come from like money from the government which can go into um black owned businesses black communities or even just like um socioeconomically deprived communities um just providing um resources for those people who would otherwise be disadvantaged um because it benefits everyone in the long run like i don't understand like if you if you're popping up a community you're getting more taxes through profits through income blah 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 why would you not want to help them mm-hmm. um, so i think we can look at opportunities to invest in our local communities um so i think on an institutional level that's one thing we can I agree with that i think when you when the financial argument is quite clear to those that could change things then it's done and dusted in it the financial mm-hmm. argument was what like kind of solved slavery if it wasn't profitable for them and then you could think of different avenues you could do that um and i think that would be a good note to end to from my side i just want to say thank you for everyone that's listening um i appreciate everything let's see where this podcast goes it will be saved um so you could definitely check it out afterwards um yeah what well, do you do you have anything to say yeah big love for everyone who stayed to the end or even if you didn't you just jumped in really appreciate you being here um loved interacting with you answering your questions i look forward to what we have coming up in the future mm-hmm. if you uh have any any ideas on what we can talk about or you want to see something or want to say something let us know um yeah i really enjoyed it peace out everyone love